Are you a chesed hero? Do you pride yourself on being that person everyone can always call? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 52 of Ksubas. And we learn that if we don't set limits on our chesed, we run the risk of neglecting those closest to us, including ourselves. Welcome to the Transformative Duff and thank you for being my chavrista today. I like to begin with a story. Rabbi Meir of Rottenburg was one of the greatest rabbis of 13th century Europe. During his lifetime, Judaism and the Jewish people experienced unparalleled persecution at the hands of their Christian hosts. In 1244, while learning in Yeshiva in Paris, he was an eyewitness to the public burning of 24 wagon loads of Talmudic manuscripts, and he bewailed this tragedy in the Tishbab lamentation, Shali Strufa Ba'esh. The following year, he returned to his native Germany and settled in Rottenburg, where he established a famous yeshiva from which many famous rabbis emerged, including the Rosh and the Mordecai. After retiring from his rabbinic duties, he took his family and set out for the land of Israel. However, while passing through Lombardy, Rabbi Meir was recognized by an apostate Jew who was accompanying the Archbishop of Mainz. The Archbishop had Rabbi Meir arrested and by order of King Rudolf imprisoned in the fortress of Ensisheim, Alsace, and held for ransom. The king knew that the Jews would give away their last mark to redeem their beloved rabbi, and indeed the sum of 20,000 marks was raised for Rabbi Meir's freedom. Rabbi Meir, however, prohibited his friends and followers to pay any ransom for him. In his selflessness, he knew that once the ransom would be handed over, every noted rabbi in Europe would be arrested and held for ransom. Rabbi Meir chose to remain in prison in order to save others from a similar fate. For seven years, Rabbi Meir remained a prisoner in that fortress until his passing in 1293. During this time, his disciples were permitted to meet with him and he was even able to compose several of his Talmudic works within the prison walls. After he died, his body was not surrendered until 14 years later when a heavy ransom was paid by a generous Jew, Alexander Zuskind Wimpfen of Frankfurt. In return, Alexander Suskind requested only that after his own death, his body should be laid to rest by the side of the saintly Rabbi Meir. His wish was carried out when he died a year later, and in the ancient Jewish cemetery of Worms, two tombstones stand erected side by side, one for the most saintly Rabbi Meir ben Baruch, and the other for the most beneficent Alexander Suskind Wimpfen of Frankfurt. Let's look at today's Gemara. The sages taught, if she was taken captive and they were seeking ransom from her husband of up to 10 times her value, the first time it happens, he must redeem her. From that point on, he may choose to redeem her or not. Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says, one does not redeem captives at more than their value due to tikkun olam. Says Rashi, tikkun olam, so that they, the kidnappers, will not become accustomed to raise the price. Let's analyze the Gemara. There was a time in history when kidnapping and false imprisonment were fears that our people lived with on a constant basis. Consequently, one of the greatest mitzvahs is pidgin shvuim, redeeming captives. And yet, despite the importance of the mitzvah, our sages place limits. It's heart-wrenching to place a value on a human being, but sadly, that's what happened in every country across the globe, until recent history when slavery was abolished. Our sages insisted that while it was imperative to do everything in our power to redeem our captive brothers and sisters, we should never pay more than the going rate. Otherwise, the Jewish community would be targeted for kidnap and ransom. This law was undoubtedly agonizing to abide by. Imagine your child, spouse, sibling, best friend, or Rebbe sitting in jail in the most squalid of conditions. 
There's no amount of money on earth you wouldn't give to set them free. Maybe you had the money, or maybe you were prepared to knock on doors to get the money. Either way, it was not happening. The halacha forbids you from spending above a certain limit, because the long-term ramifications of saying yes to these villains holding someone for ransom are far too great. As painful and heartless as it may feel, sometimes we simply must say no. In life, it's hard to say no when you know that people are suffering. But sometimes you need to say no. You need to set limits, otherwise you run the risk of being taken advantage of. You might be the kind of person who everyone knows he can call on when he needs help with anything. Whether it's a ride to the airport or a helping hand with a do-it-yourself home building project, whether it's help with a community initiative or a spare room for your neighbor's visiting fourth cousin. Some people are just so generous with their time and spirit that everybody knows they'll never say no. But here's why you need to learn to set limits and say no. Life is full of relationships. While we should endeavor to be kind to everyone, certain relationships take priority over others. Think about it in terms of concentric circles of loving kindness. Your spouse and children are in the closest circle of love. Around that circle contains a circle containing your parents, your in-laws, and your siblings. The next circle might contain your best friend, and further circles contain your neighbors, community members, colleagues, and so on. If you're never able to say no when someone asks you for assistance, you're basically equalizing your circles. Think about it like this. If your child and neighbor's child both need a ride to baseball practice and you only had one seat available in your car, who would you take? Your own child, of course. That's because your child is in your innermost circle of loving kindness. Much as you'd love to help the neighbor's kid, his concentric circle is further out. If you say yes to every individual who asks for assistance, then those you love and care for the most will end up being deprived of your special attention, love, and care. Every yes to one activity means you've given up devoting that time and effort to another activity. That time spent schlepping your neighbor to the airport might have been better spent helping your child with his homework. That's why limits must be set on how much you give. If you don't set limits, you run the risk of being taken advantage of by friends who don't know how to set their own personal limits and boundaries on their expectations from others. Consequently, those who you should be focusing on end up missing out. And ultimately, you must never forget the person in the center of your concentric circles, you. While it's praiseworthy to devote your life to helping others, don't ever neglect your own self-care. Sometimes self-care means taking time to read a book or go for a walk. And if that sounds a little self-indulgent to you, it shouldn't, then think about it in the following terms. What about your own learning and davening? If you're so busy running around helping others, when are you helping yourself and your own personal spiritual growth? Learning Torah takes time and dedication. Davening properly takes time and dedication. The only way that those aims are achievable is if you limit the time that you're dedicating to other success. After all, your own spiritual success is no less important. We're placed in this world to contribute and make this world a better place. But even a life devoted to giving and helping requires limit setting in order to achieve the very best outcome. May you always succeed in contributing the appropriate amount of chesed to every member of your concentric circles of your, of your life. And may you never forget to care about the person right in the middle. Wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Dafyomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Dafyomi global movement, there's something in the transformative Daf for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Daf with your family, your friends, your colleagues. 
It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The transformative daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, the transformative daf.